Welcome to episode three of It's Worth a Thought. Thanks for listening today. And this week's episode, we were joined by uh, investment advisor, Joel Can, And he talked to us this week about dealing with our finances. And we kind of provided a biblical perspective about finances. And so we're very excited to bring this episode to you this week. And Joel, especially maybe investment, but he did give us some practical things about where you are right now financially. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is that we just need to look at our financial picture right now and ask ourselves maybe some tough questions or have somebody else ask us those tough questions to see where we are at the present moment financially. Yeah, and he also gave us... uh with investment being his background and his expertise, he gave us some great uh, practical tips about uh, preparing for the future. And one thing I loved, because he's speaking to us from a Christian perspective, is he he talked about being ready to follow God wherever God leads us. And so being uh, at a point in our finances that if God calls us or directs us somewhere or even lays someone else on our heart, a burden on our heart to say, hey, we should help that person, preparing ourselves to be financially ready to follow God wherever he leads us. And I thought that was such a great point. And he's going to speak about that uh, in the episode. And and I think it's going to be a big help to you. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Joel Can as we look at a biblical perspective on finances because it's worth a thought. Personal finance is one area that if we we ought to deal with, and if we don't deal with it properly, it will define us. And so uh, in our ministry, we've gone through this with many people uh, throughout the years that have a struggle in the area of personal finance. And so uh, the whole idea of this, uh, it's worth a thought, is looking at life's issues from a biblical perspective. And so whether you're a Bible believer or you're watching, if you're a Bible believer or not a Bible believer, it doesn't matter. Here's a biblical perspective on personal finance and the Bible principles about finance apply to believers and unbelievers in a lot of ways. And so we're looking at some biblical principles on finance today. And we have our guest today is investment advisor, Joel Can. Uh, he's going to help us kind of wade through the area of personal finance from a biblical perspective. So I want to welcome Joel to our program. And uh, first, I want you to introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about uh, what you're all about. Well, my name is Joel Can. Uh, I'm I live in Strathroy, Ontario, and uh, not too far away from here. Uh, I go to Harvesters Baptist Church, and that's how I know every a few people here. And uh, I'm an investment advisor with uh, my company in Strathroy, and uh, I've been an investment advisor for about six years now. I started with one company, and then I went out on my own uh, to be independent, and uh, my wife works with me, and I have a team that works with me as well. And uh, I do financial planning and investment planning with, with people, and uh, I'm always working on my education as well for uh, finance, and my background is finance as well. How long have you been doing this investment advising? Around, around six years. Six years. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. What are, uh, what are some of the biggest financial mistakes people make in their lives? I mean, it's a pretty broad question, but obviously every person has mistakes that they have made. But as a general whole, what, what are you seeing people make mistakes doing kind of every day? Well, a disclaimer would be that I probably make a lot of them myself, so <laughs> it feels awkward sometimes talking about this this stuff. I understand it from a textbook perspective or what sure. the Bible says, but um, I would say you know it's it's not a matter of do or don't do one thing. I think the biggest thing that Christians that we that we do wrong sometimes is we separate the uh, spiritual and the and uh, the material and and the uh, the fact that we separate our finances and, and our, our like we kind of have um, 
our material things are separate and then our spiritual money and we, we, we separate those things in our, our mind. Um, and I think as Christians, um, we need to just take a step back and get the Lord involved with all of our finances. So that would be like my spiritual an- answer, what I think the Bible says about uh, what, making mistakes when it comes to finances. But I think what a lot of people do uh, as Canadians and North Americans uh, it has to do with uh, keeping up with the Joneses and fear of missing out. So yeah. that gets you in some bad situations. Uh, why do you think people fear missing out on what other people have? What, what's, what's the drive other than just simply comparing themselves? I don't think anyone will admit that, but it, I think that's probably what it what it is, is just trying to uh, not miss out. But I think patience, um, just just being patient, taking a step back and, and thinking about the impact. In investing, we constantly are weighing the risk-reward situation. So we have different uh, formulas and different ratios we use. And we're, when we look at an investment, and you can do that with anything, whether it's a house or a stock or... Uh, mutual fund, we look at the volatility and we can measure how much risk is involved with it. And uh, I think we don't do that when we think of the sacrifice when we spend our, our, our money. We're not taking the risk reward. We just, money's gone. We're going to spend it on this. We're going to do this. And uh, there is a risk to, to that as well. So yeah. you, you kind of have to weigh that. I think you have to slow down. Um, I think people always want to keep up with the Joneses. That's always been around for forever right that's um but it's not biblical right. at, at all um sure. and, and it's uh mm-hmm. we're even warning after warning in the bible to to not compare ourselves to, to others and and then to also take a you know the bible jesus talks about taking a um a step back and comparing your your heart right and if you think about the the widow with yeah. uh what she gave and what we gave and so it's pretty hard to, if you really understand what the Bible says and you're paying attention. If you don't separate um, the Bible and your finances, it's pretty clear if you're doing something right or wrong, at least what I think. So the Bible does talk a lot about finances, and we talked about how that uh, one of the biggest mistakes is trying to separate our finances from the spiritual. Can you give us some basic uh, Bible principles? I mean, we already talked on it a little bit, but some basic Bible principles that should guide our, like our daily decisions with money. Some things that the Bible says about that. Yeah. So, f- first of all, I mean, there's, there's, it, you have to understand it's all from from God. So, if, if if everything you have is from God, then giving, you know, to God first, and then second of all, after that, it would be good stewardship. So, uh, I think one of your other questions is going to be. Um, you're, we're going to talk about uh, not getting too caught up with just storing. You know, how do you balance investing with uh, not storing things up here on earth? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you lead with, this is the Lord's money. What am I going to do with it? And and just good stewardship. So stewardship, good stewardship is a Bible principle. Tithing is obviously, and giving is a, is a Bible principle, uh, and budgeting is a is a Bible principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says in the Bible, there's a, I don't know word for word, but it, um, building a tower and, and, you know, someone to build, build something and not count the cost first is foolishness. And, and so budgeting and taking account of where, where you're at. So I think, um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. So we talk about that even when I'm talking to people in my job, we, we need to take account of where we are, take stock of where you are, what's your budget, what can you actually afford? 
and, and that's a biblical principle to do that before you go and make a financial decision. That's good. So, um, I mean, obviously, you're dealing with more on the investment side of things. Um, from your personal perspective, are you seeing that people that uh, are good with their money are often uh, habitual in other areas of their life? They're not careless. They're you know, good stewards of other areas of their lives as well, not just their money? I think if you, if you, if you were to look at Proverbs, you would never find the word a wise man and, and haste, like someone hastily or someone, you know, uh, rushes in. There's always taking a step back and, and praying on things. And so the people that I know that are Christians that are very good at finances are very good at um, not rushing into things and taking a step back and thinking things through and, and and praying about it, it's amazing the amount of people. Can you hear me? Now? Sorry. It's probably better that way, actually. But um, I think if you think, I think of the people who are really good with finances that are Christians that I know, their their prayer life and their financial financial lives aren't separate. They're the same thing, right? So they bring their finances in to the to the prayer life, and so. Um, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, feel that like our lives move very fast. We need to make decisions. We make decisions all day long. We make thousands of them. Um, with financial decisions, I think you, you have to pray about it and, and slow down. And you think about it. If you think, well, someone's in a bad situation, and you say, well, did they really think about that before they go in? Like, I've never heard someone say to me, well, the Lord wants me to have a bigger house, right? Or the Lord wants me to have this truck. So if you... If you're going into those decisions, um, you know, praying about it and thinking about it and and taking it to the Lord, you're going to prevent yourself from getting in the mess. Yeah. I think. I think I think that's interesting. And you you already mentioned risk reward. Um, obviously, from investment side, but practical side, why do people other than I mean, why don't they count the risk? Why don't people look at a item on the shelf and they impulse buy and they don't think about, they don't pray about it. You know, I mean, my father-in-law used to say, I pray about what I'm supposed to wear for the day, which I thought was ridiculous, but really that kind of spanned his life. That was, that was everything. And that's kind of goes along with what you're saying. And so he wouldn't go out and just purchase crazy things just because he wanted to. It was always a need, and he always had the money to do so. And so that was a, a constant thing to me. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is oftentimes people just do things haphazardly, and success in finances, just like success in life, cannot be done haphazardly. It has to be intentional. Yeah, and intent, and I was going to mention that tonight, is that you have to be intentional with, with your finances. And when you're planning, I'm a big believer in planning, right? And so... Um, there's going to be some things that aren't going to be part of that plan and you're going to buy and, and probably sometimes they're not, not going to hurt your financial situation. But for the big things and even the little things, it probably doesn't hurt to take a second and just think about it or pray about it. Um, but I think it's the same. If you, if you really know what the Bible says for your life, and I'm sure you get asked all the time by people you know that say, I don't know what God's will is for my, my life. If you start with the Bible, for example, if someone says, you know, I think God's will for my life is to do something, and they, and you think, well, that's not God's will for anyone's life. The Bible is against that, right? So if you know what the Bible says first, 
You know, so it can be, so for example, if the Bible is saying not to gamble with your money, uh, you know, it's pretty easy if someone says, well, you know, I lost all my money. Well, did you, did you pray about that? Well, you're, it's obviously not going to, that's not what happened. So I, I, I don't know. I think that, um, I think that if you, you have to start with, with what the Bible says and, and go from there, um, but I also think that we are we justify things, right? So even for example, if if it's a good investment, so you can get in over your head with with mortgage payments and houses have been phenomenal investment in Canada, right? And so it's pretty easy to to win when things are on your side, and it's hard for we easily forget, like you know, we just went through COVID and, and it really affected our economy. We've already kind of forgotten what that sh- shakeup was was like, and. Uh, if you think like our generation, our generation, we didn't go through the 80s, but as I study finance, people who have, uh, I'll call them my parents' generation, I won't say the older generation, but the, you know, my parents- I get the message, I get the message. Yeah. It's your generation, my generation, I get it. Yeah, so, so you know, if you think about like the people that went through the 80s, they kind of, and it, you can even forget, well that was like, but interest rates were extremely high, people were losing their houses, and, and then in 2008 there was a financial crisis and things were really bad. And so, in the last few years, it's been really easy to win. You know, you, you, you didn't have to make an, an intention to, to be good with your finances. If you owned an asset class across the board, stock markets have been going up for the last, you know, 10 years, huge bull run that we've, uh, longest we've ever seen. Um, housing prices, obviously, on a slope we've never seen. So if you had skin in the game in any of those asset classes, you, you've done well. And that's not really how life is, and that's not how it was in, in history. You have to be intentional about um, what you're trying to do, and you have to be intentional about the risk you take, and be not just intentional, but be aware. And I think that's something that our generation does not understand because they, they've. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as you can make your payments, your house will go up in value, and things will kind of work out. And that's that's not a good approach to take. Yeah, that definitely can't sustain, right? Like we can't sustain things as long as we think we can. I think sometimes, you know, like I, I'm a I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. We've had that conversation before, and. Uh, you know, Dave always says you need to have an emergency fund because inevitably Murphy's Law is going to happen. It may take a long time for it to happen, but it's going to happen. And sometimes we, we kind of think, well, you know, I, I can pay for this later. I can pay for this later and start adding it to credit cards and different things. Um, a couple of verses that I thought of was Proverbs 22.7. The Bible says, the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so we kind of get in this impulse society and we think, well, I can pay it off later and I can have this car that, you know, cost me way too much money and I can totally pay that off. But you're, you've just enslaved yourself to a lender. And then uh, Romans 13, 8 says, owe no man anything but to love one another. And I thought that was very interesting. Owe no man anything but love in the same context. Because for he that loveth um, another hath fulfilled the law. I think sometimes when you're a slave, you aren't able to love the way that you want. And that's something I've noticed when I'm struggling financially. I want to be able to help people. And I sit there and I feel like my hands are just tied and I can't do that. And so that's um, something that's been helpful to me in um, you know, getting control of my personal finances is working toward that and knowing that I shouldn't be a slave to any lender and buying those things often on impulse I don't have the money for them, right? Yeah, you mentioned something you know that's also 
um, would be a biblical principle, and is that we are kind of re re required to have our finances in order so that we can follow where God wants us to go. Yeah. If you're stuck because of your financial situation, making yourself unavailable to do something maybe that the Lord has maybe opened the door for you or given you an opportunity or needs you to do, want, has given you a task to do, and you're burdened with, with debt or not in the financial position to do that, um, you know, you're hindering your, yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a would be a biblical principle too, is that we're, we need to be in a good position. And then past that, not just a good position of financially independent, but when your finances are in order and you've been able to accumulate something, the, the amount that you're able to help others, you're in a position that you can really make a, a difference. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a heart, um, yeah. that's a heart thing. That's uh, it's all kind of a heart thing if you really think about it. And, and I, what I mean by heart is I mean your intent to follow the Holy Holy Spirit. I don't mean what your heart wants because the heart wants the car and the, the big house, right? right? So the what I mean is is your heart in line with what what God wants. And uh, so I think it's a heart issue for a lot of these things. And same with um, you know investing and, and saving. And, you know, some people will say to me, well, the Lord will take care of me. I'll be, I'll be fine. And that's, that's true. But I think if you're, if you're saying, well, no, I'm not going to save $250 a month because the Lord's going to take care of me. And you, you blow that $250. It's a redundant statement. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's still foolishness yeah. nonetheless, nonetheless. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I heard this long ago that someone told me this, that finances uh, are for two reasons, to live and to give. Uh, so we need to take care of the everyday necessities of life and enjoy life a little bit. I, I don't think God um, doesn't want us to enjoy life. I mean, obviously we need to live within our, our means, but God gives us finances so that we can live, but also so we can give and, and be in a position to help other people. And that uh, principle is help me, helpful to me. We talked some about you know being in a position to give and, and uh, maybe investing in different things. What advice would you give to somebody maybe tonight who's watching or listening, and they're right now overwhelmed by their debt, they're overwhelmed with their financial picture, they just don't know where to turn. They feel like that they've made every mistake in the book, uh, but they're, they're looking for maybe uh, a Bible principle, the next step. What's the first step or what's the first couple of things you tell them to do like day one, today or tomorrow to start uh, seeing some light at the end of the tunnel? You have to know where you, where you are. So, so the first thing is, is to, you need to know exactly what's coming out of your account. Like you got to start with the budget and, you know, and it sounds simple, but a lot of people who don't even have, who may not have money problems or people that, you know, you're maybe struggling to pay bills, don't have a, a budget. And sometimes it's hard to do a budget and I get it if you don't want to look at your finances because you know it's not a good situation. That can be tough too. Um, and I think that happens a lot too. We, it's finance is 90% behavior and 10% the knowledge of, of it. It's um, it's all about the behavior and, and the psychological aspect of it. Like we talked about wanting what other people want and all that stuff and uh, acting on those impulses. That's all psychological. That's not knowledge of of finance, finances. You, everyone knows once they spend their money, they don't have money, right? It has nothing to do with the knowledge. It has to do with the behavior. So I think. I think the the first thing that they need to do is um, take stock of where they are and wh what the situation is like, um, and read Dave, Dave Ramsey's book. Yeah. <laughs> read, read someone right. So I like David Chilton or Dave Ramsey, yeah. uh, the wealthy barber. Um, 
different, different. I would stick with Dave Ramsey if I was to recommend a book until I publish my own book. <laughs> but right. um, I would, I wouldn't publish my own book. Yeah, I, you have to get some some knowledge how finances work, right? We're not taught in it's really it's it's hard because we're not taught in our school system really about finances at all. We're taught math, but we're not taught how things work, how a credit card works, how your credit score works, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. It's not that you um, you, know, you should be using your credit card a ton, but you need to know that stuff so you can navigate and and not be taken advantage of in the financial industry. Uh, the financial services industry, I'll be honest, I'm a big advocate for people knowing their own finances and, and understanding it themselves. When someone comes to me, it, or if you re- are relying on a financial advisor to teach everything to you about your finances, it, it, it can be risky because you got to find someone, mm-hmm. you're putting a lot of faith in that person uh, to teach you that. Um, and it's a lot of trust to put in someone. So I think you need to take it upon yourself to, to get educated and ask people, ask people in your church. Um, I'm sure if someone came to you, you could point them in the right direction. I know you did the Dave Ramsey program here a while ago. Um, but you need, to, you need to get some some help and maybe it's an accountability, somebody to, to do the budgeting with you. Maybe you're not to that point where you're ready to start saving or anything like that, but just have someone, uh, like anything else you're struggling with, sometimes it's just helpful to have someone in your corner. So I'd say the first step is to get a true financial picture of where you are. Um, I like what you said about it's 90% behavior because like we all know that uh, if I eat less and move more, I'll lose weight. <laughs> like we, that's pretty simple, right? But it's 90% behavior, all right? And we all know that if we spend less and, and, and make more, we'll save money, right? We all know that. So it's 90%. Uh, behavior upon that 10%. I think of what you said, taking a, 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 you know, a look at your financial picture, the Bible says, I think in the book of Proverbs about looking well to the state of your own flock, knowing you know, what your herd looks like. And back in the Old Testament, yeah. obviously that was a man's wealth was measured more than in cash, more, it was more in cattle, right? And so it's saying, no, make sure you know uh, what's going on in your business and, and know, so I think it's great advice. Yeah. Um, Something I was thinking of kind of before when we were talking about when we're expecting God to take care of us reminds me of a story of a guy that was, you know, going through a flood and uh, was stuck on his roof and somebody came by with a canoe and said, hey, jump in. And uh, the guy said, no, 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 my God will take care of me. And then someone else comes by in a speedboat and says, come on, jump on. He says, no, 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 I, um, my God will take care of me. A helicopter finally comes. I mean, he's knee deep in water on his roof. Helicopter comes and the guy says, no, thanks. My God will take care of me. The man ends up dying, gets to heaven. And God said, he says, God, why, did, why didn't you take care of me? He said, I sent you three people and you didn't accept any of those offers. And it's kind of the same thing that he's talking about with finance. And a lot of times we, we do get into a situation that we don't want to be in, but God has been there. And if we are smart and wise with our finances early on and take a good look at them and figure out what's coming in and what's going out, God has provided those things already for us. We've just stewarded them poorly. So that's, that's uh, just something interesting that I thought of when you were talking about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we, if we have a job and, and we have some money and the Lord's blessing us and everything you have is from the Lord. So stewardship really is just a matter of um, paying what need, needs to be paid and thinking about the future a little bit as well, I think. Um, 
when I do plan with someone, I'm, I am asking them, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what do you want to do? And a lot of times people will say things like, like, I just want to retire the bear. Like I just, and, and I said, well, it's probably possible if we, we start planning or they say, well, I want to retire at 55 and I'll start, I'll start down the, the road and things like that. And you have to be intentional and you have to, you have to uh, plan. You have to have a plan. You have to have a clear plan. Um, I think you should be planning for even short-term term things. Um, if you don't plan, that's when you start using money you don't have. That's when you, you start using the credit card and things like that. Uh, and then you get into a situation where it can make, we just got done talking about it, it can make your life harder than it needs to be. Um, it could put you in a situation that you don't want to be in. And when you have, if you, I'm, I'm newly married, so I, I can't give marriage advice, but I, I know I can tell you because I've had couples fight right in front of me and, you know, in, in a meeting. Finances can be really tough on a marriage, right? They can cause stress in, in a way that uh, I learned that early on in my, in my career, long before I was married. Um, it can cause a lot of stress in a marriage and it can cause a lot more, it can just be a, uh, a stumbling block, right? We're, we're not to be stumbling blocks to other people, but don't be a stumbling block to yourself with your own finances. Don't put yourself in that situation. And and there's also, right, if, if a right hand offending, like if your credit card's causing you problems, put it in a cup full, full of water and put it in your freezer, right? Because you're not gonna, you're not going to. There's some practical advice for I you right like there. That. I like you're that not gonna go to your, right, if, you, if you're gonna buy a TV, you're not gonna go there and get out your hammer. You might get out your hammer and get, you know, I don't know, but start smashing this ice with your credit card in it, or better yet, rip up your credit card, right? So if, you, if you're having something that's in, getting in your way, or if you're eating out all the time, or whatever it is, whatever is that thing, you, you gotta c cut it off, and uh, you have to be aware of that. So look at your financial picture, uh, start seeing how you can spend less, how you can make more, look at both those sides of the coin, and uh, and really I, I think maybe, and maybe you can talk about this, either one of you, at the root of all those problems that gets into those problems is a contentment issue. Uh, that has to do with, you know, you're saying keeping up with the Joneses, you know, and what the Bible says about contentment, and maybe you have some verses there. Do you, do you want to say anything? I can cover this one. I wrote a few down. Um, Luke 12, 34 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So take a look at your finances. There will be a lot of Tim Hortons purchases on there. There will be a lot of, you know, different things. Well, as, I mean, I think that's the best illustration I've ever heard is put it, or practical advice, is put your credit card in a cup. <laughs> And freeze it. That is awesome because what that does is that takes the, away the instant gratification. And don't be afraid to do stuff like that. Don't be afraid to stop, uh, stop the bleeding. And so if, if you struggle with Tim Hortons, drive around it so you never even come close to it. Do stuff like that that you will not, make, you will not allow yourself to go down those roads. And then Hebrews 13.5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so this, there's a balance here, but being content with the things that you, God has given you and not always looking for more, not always looking for something else. And uh, I often find it interesting, I don't know what I don't have until I see somebody else have it, right? Like, oh man, I didn't even know that car existed. I want that, right? But I didn't, even, I didn't want it before I saw it. 
And so a lot of times we're looking around elsewhere when we ought to just look on the things that we have and be content with the things that we have. For sure. So um, talking about investing now, um, what, how do you balance that then looking forward to the future? And then the Bible does say this in, in Matthew chapter six, it says, you know, not to lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And I heard, I had a question one time from a man and said, you know, the Bible says we shouldn't lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. So I'm not putting money in the bank. I'm not investing because God tells me I should not lay up treasures on earth. So how would you answer something like that? And, and the balance between, you know, living life now and in the moment, and also looking for the future. I could be wrong, but I don't think that verse is saying you only live once, you need to spend your money. I, that's not how I see it. I don't see it that way. That's what I said earlier about, um, you know, you think, okay, well, I'm not going to set it aside. What are you going to do with it? Right? That's not what that, that verse is saying to me. What that verse is saying is really, like I said earlier, about the heart issue and, and, the, and the intent. It's kind of keep your eyes you know, on God and keep your, that's your focus. And that should be your, what you're trying to work towards is, you know, doing what God wants you to do with your life and don't get stuck and caught up, um, just accumulating things and, and, and trying to, so as far as setting money aside or, 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 um, not building things up, I think that's also saying don't accumulate things like possessions, like don't and don't foolishly spend or borrow to to uh, entertain yourselves and to keep you know keep up with the Joneses. So, I think that verse is saying to keep your eyes you know uh, on the end game and to be focused on really what you're, you're supposed to be focused on, uh, and not to to that your focus should not be possessions and building wealth. It's hard because I'm. I'm a business person. I've I've always I've always been into finance, and um, when I worked at I worked with Joe at Grace Motors, and I used to buy the extra tires there that were there, and then I would sell them on Kijiji. Was my first business. I've always wanted more in a sense. So it's it's something I struggle with. That, and I think that's what that verse is saying to me is that that's not why you're here. You're not here to do that, right? So, in my my job here is to um, do what God wants me to do, and, and I have the Great Commission, I have my church, I have to serve in my church, I have to be a good husband to my, my wife, I have to be what God wants me to be, but I want to have financial independence, and, and I can enjoy my work so that I can uh, not worry about things, and I can accomplish more, and it's okay to be be driven, but I, I have to remind myself I should be driven to to submit to the Lord and, and that's hard because as a driven person you, you want to make decisions you want to do what you want to do and I know other people like, that are like that too and the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord and so I think you have to um, I think you, you want to be progressive with your finances and, and you want to take action but you, you need to have your eyes on what God wants you to have your eyes on and which is him and, and focus on his will for your life. And uh, that's how I interpret that verse. Yeah, the, the whole passage is about finances and, and, and life and, and even you know food, raiment, all those kind of things. But then kind of the summary verse of that whole passage is verse 33 where it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So it's not wrong to, to set aside money 
uh, to be a blessing, you know, to be a help to be and 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 uh, to to help. And but God says, don't focus on those things. That's not your primary purpose in life. Is not to accumulate wealth. I mean, there's a bumper sticker I've seen: "Whoever dies with the most toys wins." That's not true for a Christian. All right, uh, that's not true. It's, it's the truth is we're here to seek Christ first. And all these things will be added unto us. It doesn't mean, and again, that's not the health and wealth gospel that as long as you seek Christ first, you'll have everything you want. That's not how it works either. Uh, It's just that balance of seeking Christ first. I was going to add to that balance as well. The Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And then the Bible also says in Proverbs 13, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And so the, the person who doesn't take care of his finances is making someone else rich. And a good man leaveth inheritance to his children's children. So there is some longevity to finance. And so we need to be thinking about that. And often we don't. We think about now and what I want now. And we ought to be laying up for our grandchildren is what it's saying. And so we often get into this area where, well, the love of money is the root of all evil. So I just need to get rid of it as fast as I bring it in. But at the same time, I need to also lay up for my children's children. And I think that's a balance that we need to find. Um, so it's not, all. he said it multiple times. It's a whole person thing. It's your heart, it's your mind, it's your soul, it's your strength, loving the Lord your God with all of those things. And out of those things, you will begin to allow God to work in your finances. You'll be able to work in your marriage. You'll be able to work in you know, all of these different areas of your life. And I think sometimes we just, like he said, take finance right out of the picture and say, no, not that area, but really it should be submitted to God as well. So as we, he gave us one practical tip already about freezing your credit card, all right? And I mean, freezing it, like literally freezing it, not like, not like calling the bank and freezing it, but literally freezing your credit card. Are there any other practical like apps or programs or maybe systems uh, that you could suggest to people who are trying to like uh, kind of get control of their finances? Maybe it's been a struggle for them and they want to kind of put some systems in place and then you can give us practically like that way? Yeah, I think um, as far as systems or uh, programs or apps and things like that, um, you can use a budgeting app if, if you need that. My I bank with RBC, and they have a tool that shows me where I spend. It's painful to look at to see how much money you actually spend. You mentioned it like Tim Hortons. It's like who can spend that much money at Tim Hortons? But, um, you know, it, you, tracking, so anything that tracks it, so you can use your, your bank. There are... Um, apps out there. I would say the best thing that people need to do is actually, whether they do it themselves or they do it with someone, is build a financial plan. Um, you have plans, you have things you want to do with your life, you need to get them on paper. I know in, in business, I, I was reading the other day that 80%, sorry, 75% of uh, business owners that make more than a million dollars a year have a business plan. More than 75% have a written on paper plan of what they want to accomplish. Even though there's so many unknowns, they have a written plan of what, and, and they write down some of the issues they're going to solve. And um, only 7% of businesses that make less than $100,000 a year have a written business plan. So less than 10% of people uh, in the starting phases of a, of, of a business have written plans. So what, that's, what that means is um, that there's value in, in having stuff written down and having a, having a plan. Um, as far as retirement planning, you actually do need to look at 
you know, what am I going to get from the government, from CPP, from OAS? What am I going to get from CPP? What's my old age security? What age should I be taking that? Do I have any other incomes coming in? There is a practical way to plan that. That's what all I do every day. Um, and it's amazing the value it adds and uh, to actually know where you're headed. And it helps people make decisions. I had a young couple recently say, you know, we have some extra money. We have some things. Where should we put it? And I said, uh, like I always do, I take the numbers, I show them where what it's going to take for them to to retire or, or accomplish their goals, and then you make your own decision, right? So they made the decision that no, we don't need the trailer, the you know, f to buy the fifth wheel trailer or or whatever because I forgot that when we're done working, we have we're going to need to take care of ourselves. So you need to think about that, um, and it's exciting actually to see if you ever look at what hundred dollars or two hundred dollars a month saving over the long term would look like or whatever it is and whether you're saving for a down payment for a rental property or something i don't you know some people like to argue about what investments better it doesn't matter it, it just you need to do something and you need to make a plan and, and stick with it and and uh yeah interest works either for you or against you that's the truth and and you know, if you have a mortgage, it's working against you. But that's, I mean, to get into a home, uh, especially in St. Thomas, and it's been a great investment over the last little bit. Uh, so it's not saying that it's always wrong to borrow money if there's a, an interest rate, but just realize interest works for you or against you. Someone's, you know, in general economics, the someone's savings is someone else's lending, like a lot of the times, right? Like when you, if you're, uh, like bonds are, are loans of, you know, companies issuing loans, looking to borrow capital to expand their business and they pay interest. So the person with money lending the business money is making money from that company and that business is the one actually paying for that capital. And that's why they say the rich get richer. So they, once you have uh, the money, so yeah, if you're just borrowing, you're the one, paying all that interest you're paying on someone else's you're paying someone else's investment whether it's the bank or yeah, yeah someone else so give us a shameless plug how can you help people how do you help people every day with their financial goals so um we have a tool we use and it's literally just a word document it's about 20 pages and i've used all sorts of tools and this is just the easiest way we write down what, what you're trying to accomplish, your family situation, your your job, and then we look at, uh, you know, what are your expenses now, and uh, what are your expenses going to be in, in the future when, when you retire? Are you going to have a, a pension? Retirement planning is a big piece of financial planning because... Um, it's the it's the end goal. You, you do have to retire, and not just retire, but if you b start building assets, you kind of have this work optional lifestyle, right? So you, it's a matter of how are we going to get ourselves in a good financial position? And maybe it's not retirement saving. Maybe it's just how do I pay down my mortgage until I decide what I want to do. So what I do is I I go through a plan with, with them and I ask a million questions, mm -hmm. and then I take that back and I run a few different s situations and I just give them the numbers of what you know you're spending six thousand dollars a month right now maybe in retirement when the house is paid for you still have hydro you still have some of these expenses I do a budget and then I show them you're going to need at least x amount of dollars in retirement um, you're going to get this from the government you're going to get this from maybe a nurse pension hoop or omers or uh, you know some sort of benefit um, and then the leftover you need to sit where is this going to come from and a lot of times people are like well I haven't even thought that and um, the biggest thing in my job is to remember that 
just to do my job. Some of the smartest people I know are really good at running their businesses and they never actually took a step back to, to do the planning aspect of it. And, and that goes for estate planning too. Uh, we've had situations with huge business and business owners that have never actually thought what is gonna happen when uh, I pass away. So that's what I do. I ask all the questions. I get you thinking about that stuff. And then if I can't help you, I refer, refer you to your lawyer, your accountant and, um, that's that, that's basically what I'm doing, and then I'm making recommendations and dealing with the investments to get you there and to talk you off the ledge when you're during COVID to calm everyone down. And you know, when when the markets were down, that was my job in March and April, and we're actually uh, positive for the year. In uh, most of our accounts are quite positive because of um, so it's it's been a wild roller coaster. Um, but that's really my job is the planning aspect of it. And, and uh, I don't tell people what to do. I give them their numbers and I use planning uh, tools to do that. And then I give them options for investing. So here's my kind of takeaway is that if you're struggling with personal finance right now, you kind of feel overwhelmed, like there's not enough money at the end of the month, all that kind of stuff, then what you need to do is take a personal um, Look at your finances, and then you know make sure spending and and what you're making, and try to figure those things out. That may be you on your own. It may be looking to a mentor, looking to somebody older than you, sitting down with somebody that can give you. It's it's painful at first. Uh, the first step is not going to be easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it if you can uh, get to the point where you don't worry about, you know, how am I going to pay my mortgage or how am I going to pay my rent or how am I going to pay uh, those things and getting those things under control. Uh, and then if you are in a position where you think, you know, financially, you know, we're doing okay and, and I'm feeling you know, pretty good where we are. Well, do you have a financial goal then? Do you have, do you have, and maybe that's sitting down again with someone like Joel that can run the numbers for you and put it through the spreadsheet and all that kind of stuff and kind of show you uh, what's your financial picture? Because this is what God has spoken to me about lately is in uh, the rest of my life, financially, I'll either be a blessing or a burden to my family. And I want to be a blessing, not a burden. All right. And that may mean even now where I, maybe I should put more away, but I'm giving more to my kids now so I can watch them. And my mom used to always say, I want to watch you enjoy my money. So she would she would take us out and we would do stuff together and, and we would try to get our wallets out. And she said, I'm not you're not paying for this. I'm going to watch you enjoy uh, the money now. And so and now she's gone. All right. So, so we enjoy that together. So blessing or burden, what do you want to be and how are you going to get to the point where you can be a blessing and not a burden? It's not a one size fits all I, I and I and I know that and it's not you know I don't think everyone needs to come to me and do my financial planning process and and uh, I think everyone needs to uh, I think educating yourself our generate my like the Millennials have done a really good job there's so much data out there we don't lack for data educating our, ourselves sometimes we have too much data out there and there's a lot of different opinions and you don't have to overthink it um, just being I think of um, like my my dad is a frugal guy. Um, he's very, you know, we don't we don't talk about investments. It's not like we talk about guitars and other things. Um, but uh, you know, he knows what comes in. He knows what goes out. And and so I have to remind myself that I think of my dad, and I think I, it's not super complicated. It's not about uh, knowing all these things. And I love economics, and I love all of that stuff. And then I see some people who never work with me that do very 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 well um it's about it's about some of those basic things that we talked about and then i'm there if, if someone wants to learn 
uh, investing and investing, investing is a really cool tool. A compound interest does work, can work really, really well. And to see what, you know, $100 a month when you're younger, just a, another plug for starting earlier is that if you looked at someone my age in their, you know, late 20s and someone who um, was 50, sorry, I started thinking of the numbers, 50 years old, the person that saves like if I save $200 a month, roughly, and the person at 50 saves 1000 or 2000 even close to $2,000 a month, I would still end up with more money mm -hmm. because of the way interest, compound interest works. And so not to just, it's better to start any time, uh, like sooner rather than later, but if you can get going early on, um, I tell young people, the big thing now is spend as much as you can on your, I don't tell you that, but the big trend right now is spend as much as you can on your house because unfortunately that's what you have to do to get into the housing market is you buy as much as you, because the houses are so expensive, you buy the, you get the one you can afford. Um, but if you can budget ahead of time and you can say, you know what, $250 a month is a bill that is non-negotiable for me. And um, if you can do that ahead of making a big purchase, you will be far ahead of, you don't need even fancy investments, you don't need the best um, returns, you just need consistency over a long period of time, All the, and the math supports it. Um, and uh, so I, I love to meet with young people. Uh, I'm, I'm meeting with a lot of retired and business owners and managing assets, uh, and that's part of my job. But when I was, uh, when I first met with a financial advisor when I was 18, I got super excited and that's what got intri me intrigued in this business to see that, you know what, no matter what I make, if I make the right decisions and I'm uh, consistent with it, I could put myself in a pretty cool position, so. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Something I was thinking about too is, you know, kind of going back through everything that we've talked about is sometimes we get into a spot where we struggle with something. And so we're specifically talking about finances and sometimes we just don't know what to do. And I think it's wise to go to someone like Joel or someone else that you trust. I know Pastor Holland's very good with finances and different things. Uh, he does all our finances for our church. He's done a great job. Sometimes it's better for someone else to ask you very hard questions. So for instance, you know, where, where is your heart in this? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to just gain money or are you trying to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? You can do that with finances. Someone to ask very difficult questions. Are you being covetous about this? Do you just want this you know, trailer so that you can you know, keep up with the Joneses? Sometimes it takes an outsider's look into that to really help. And that's what I've loved about reading books and, you know, going through Financial Peace University, and it's just an outsider's perspective on things. And I've sat down with Joel and talked to him. We're not quite ready uh, to jump in with Joel yet, but we've, I've, he's asked me some difficult questions, and I remember some of them, and I'm thinking, I do. And it, you I mean, you just touched on it. If you set aside $200, and I mean, we, we met almost three or four years ago. If you start setting aside $200 right now, you'll be in a great, and I'm, He's telling me these things, and he's asking me questions. How much are you setting aside? And I'm going, nothing, nothing. And that's, that's burdensome to me, um, but I need someone to push me along. And so if you're struggling in your area of finances, don't be afraid. And that's what the Bible's for as well. The Bible tells us it's, it's, a, it's a sword, and it cuts to the dividing asunder of joints and marrow, and it gets down to those nitty-gritty parts. And that's what the Bible's wonderful. That's what a financial advisor is wonderful. 
hopefully that's what a pastor does for you. That's what a mentor does for you. All of those different things. So if you're struggling with those areas, feel free to ask someone else. Just a little tip. When, when I would recommend, and this isn't my advice, this is uh, even Dave Ramsey's advice, and it's it's one of my core values uh, that I we use at our, our firm and uh, that we wrote down on paper this, this year um, is... Uh, heart of a teacher that's what we want to be as advisors we want to have the heart of a, a teacher so if you're going to go to someone and you're you're going to meet with an advisor uh with, or even if it's you know anyone that you're dealing with whether it's an accountant or if you're looking at property it's a real estate agent you need to have someone who has the heart of a, a teacher i really think so um you know everyone wants to sell everyone everything and that's that's all well and good but you need to have someone who's going to explain and going to understand to you and like i said earlier i think you know, nowhere when we look at studying wisdom is there rashness and in, involved in rushing into something. You need someone who's who's going to be okay, whatever they're they're advising you in. If you just say, "Hey, I'm not comfortable. I need to take a second. Um, I I had uh, someone say to me, you know, they were trying to get a house, and the real estate agent kept saying, "You got to go. You do this and do this and that." And they said, you know what, God wouldn't want me to make a decision on the spot about something that big in my life without talking to him. Because mm -hmm. the guy was saying, you have 40 seconds, blah, 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 blah. You know, what are you going to do? Well, and he's like, that's not what God would want me to do. Yeah. Where have that's, you know. And um, sometimes you're going to be in situations where you're going to have to make quick decisions. But if you have the fundamentals and you have the knowledge and you know what you're doing and you have a plan, you go into it ready, then you can make an informed, educated uh, decision. But yeah, I think... Having someone with the heart of a teacher that has patience uh, is good. It's, it's nice to go to those people. You know, you, you you tend to go to the people that you know sound. They they may say fancy things or say things that. But no, you, I think you need to have someone who can teach you and and not just sell you on something when it comes to advising on anything. All right, as we wrap up the conversation here, is there one principle, one thing that you want to leave with folks as we uh, kind of wrap this whole thing up, one Bible principle that would be a help uh, to them as we, as we wrap this thing up? Yeah, I think the goal is not to be, we're not talking about, well, you need to invest and you need to be, need to be wealthy. Your finances are going to be a big part of your life whether you want it or not, and their eyes are going to, it's either going to be a hindrance to you and a, and a stress to you, or it's going to be it's going to put you in a position where your your attention could be on other things and it can be on the Lord and I just think you need to um, just just think on on, on that and uh, never use an excuse that um, you know never try to I, it's bad when you're trying to say well um, you know not it's not bad to say I'm trying to watch my words it's not bad to say the Lord's going to take care of me but just that story story you, you said you have you have the Lord is taking care of you he's giving you money what are you going to do with it and uh, I think just to finish I would just say that um, yeah your finances are going to be a part of your life and you need to you need to think that it's either going to be a hindrance to you it's going to be a stumbling block it's going to cause you unnecessary stress or it could put you in a position to to serve the Lord, go where He wants you to do, to be able to give properly, help your family. Um, and that's just with decisions today, and just taking a look at where you are, taking stock of what you have, having a budget, and doing some planning, and one thing at a time. It's always our goal on It's Worth a Thought for you to, just to take a moment and consider a biblical perspective. And just like he said there, it'll cause you either stress or allow you to do focus on other things. We say it this way, it'll either define you 
or you'll deal with it. So if you don't deal with them properly, they'll define you and they'll hinder you. And we want uh, our people, we want you watching, to be able to do all that God wants you to do and not have finances uh, be what holds you back. We all have to deal with them. Every time we have extra money, we're just like you. Something comes up and it goes away. When we're trying to save for this, this comes up. It happens to all of us. Um, but we all have to deal with it. And so just look to the Bible and consider the biblical principles on finances. Thanks for listening to the It's Worth a Thought podcast. If you have questions for us or would like further information regarding our episode and the topic we've covered, you can find our contact information in the description. We hope this episode has helped you to see a biblical perspective on some of life's greatest issues and perhaps consider that the Bible truly is worth a thought.